quick drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And today is Monday. February 27, 2023, the Feast of St. Isabel of France. St. Isabel of France was a daughter of King Louis VIII and Queen Blanche of Castile. Born in 1225, despite pressure to marry for political reasons, she dedicated her life to God and lived a religious life in the royal castle, caring for the sick and the poor. She later founded a Franciscan house in the Convent of the Humility of the Blessed Virgin, becoming the abbess. Despite constant illness and trials, she conquered them through her faith and achieved sanctification. She was given mystical graces and ecstasies, including knowledge of the day and hour in which she would pass. Her life shows that the royal courts were not necessarily dens of pleasure and sensuality, and that God glorifies his saints. Saint Isabella France, pray for us. And good morning to you. I hope you had a blessed weekend. I hope your Sunday was restful. I hope you were able to stay away from work and all manual labor this uh, on this Sunday, uh, or yesterday, rather, last Sunday, or this Sunday. Yeah, this Sunday, because Sunday's the first day of the week, not the last day of the week. So this Sunday, I hope you had a blessed and restful and lack of work Sunday. Praise be to God. Uh, the Over the weekend, my great-grandmother actually ended up passing, so if you would pray for her soul, I'd be very grateful uh, for that intention. So I thank you to everybody who's been praying for my great-grandmother. I am very appreciative. And if you would continue to pray for her soul, that she uh, be entered into the kingdom of God, that if she's in purgatory, that she be released from purgatory, ASAP. For that, I would be very grateful. Uh, there's many, actually, friends of mine who had uh, loved ones pass away. My friend Macy, her her son just passed away. And so uh, if you'd pray for, for them as well. And uh, for many other people, there's I just heard so many stories recently of people passing away. So let's pray for all the souls in purgatory and all those that people make a, a holy death. And so and on that uh, very upbeat and happy news, good morning to you, Tito Edwards. Good morning, Adrian. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm yeah, it's doing good well. to hear. Just want to have a quick review. I got to say it was a, a semi busy weekend for me, but I got to rest a, a little bit yesterday. What did you do? Well, we we ha- I did uh, the volunteer work all morning. Forgot to put sunscreen, so I'm I'm waiting to see if I'm going to turn my Ford's going to turn red or brown later today. And then uh, I had a we celebrated a friend's birthday. Saturday afternoon into the evening, and we watched a good movie and uh, prayed, and we had a nice time. Nice. What movie did you watch? Aquila and the Bee. Never it heard. was. I never heard of it either, but it's a true story of a Crenshaw Middle School girl in South Central L.A. Uh, coming out of poverty, but her parents are apparently quite uh, intelligent, but they are still going to Crenshaw, and uh, she has a talent. And she won the National Spelling Bee, but it's a struggle throughout the whole movie. It was clean, nothing uh, disrepared, uh, uh, bringing the name of God down or anything like that. Okay, praise be to God. That's wonderful. Yeah, over the weekend, I tried to do as little as possible, but uh, Saturday I was recording a concert for a friend of mine. Uh, her 
or his rather, his wife was uh, performing in a concert uh, at the University of St. Thomas in Houston for her master's in sacred music program. And so they asked me, hey, can you record the concert for us? So I did. And it was very beautiful. They sang the Ave, they sang uh, the Kyrie, the Tantum Marigo, a couple of songs in English that I had never heard before, but were incredibly beautiful, um, and a bunch of other songs. So it was really nice to see. It was uh, very beautiful. The organ, excellent. The chapel of St. Basil in Houston. It's probably uh, one of the ugliest churches ever, but it's actually probably one of the best acoustics in a chapel that I've ever heard. Um, so I guess that's a plus. So it was really cool for that for that reason. Uh, but uh, 15 past the hour, we're going to be discussing there is white dust that was falling on the people in around Ohio. Did you hear about that story? What was that white dust? We'll discuss that. And Paris Hilton locks away her sons, all 20 of them. Did you hear that story? We're going to talk about that at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, Bree Dale will be joining us to discuss the situation with the German Synod. And in the next hour, we'll be playing our Fear and Trembling game show. So you're going to want to tune in for all of that. But let's jump into our game. Or not game. Let's jump into our show. And we'll pray for your intentions today. I pray that you're having a good and holy Lent, that your uh, Sunday was very restful, that you're jumping back on the bandwagon uh, today, this Monday morning. And I let pray for my. I'm praying for my great grandmother Janie Hernandez, and I uh, pray for all those that they make a holy death, for that all the souls that are in purgatory that they be released from purgatory. And I'm praying for whatever intentions you have. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Today is Monday, February 27th, 2023, and these are your headlines for today. The Pillar reports, is the Eucharistic Congress too expensive? When registration opened for the 2024 Eucharistic Congress, some Catholics were surprised by the cost. Will that impact the event? In fact, there is a cost to register for the 2024 Eucharistic Congress. The website shows $375 for an individual, $299 per adult, and $99 for each child over two. Registration covers five days of talks, catechesis, and liturgies, as well as smaller events at the convention center. But it does not cover food, lodging, travel, or parking for the event. Stefan J. Bowes at Vatican News reports, Ukraine is open to the Chinese peace plan, but confusion remains. Ukraine's President Zelensky made it clear he is open to talks with China's leader Xi Jinping to discuss Beijing's peace proposals. Quote, China started talking about Ukraine, and I think that is a good thing, he said. Francesco Merlo and Nathan Morley at Vatican News reports Pope Francis prayed for the migrants lost at sea in the most recent Mediterranean tragedy. Addressing the faithful gathered for his Sunday Angelus, the Holy Father explained that just off the coast of Calabria in Italy, over 40 bodies, including the bodies of many children, have been recovered. Quote, I pray for them, end quote, said the Pope. For those who are lost and for those who have survived, he added. And finally, Ndala Killiam Chimtom at Crux reports 
that as Nigerians voted this weekend, Catholics warned of a push to Islamize the country. The killings continue in such large numbers and over such a vast area that we are clearly not talking about spontaneous outbreaks of violence, said Johan Viljoen, a South African-based observer of the African Catholic scene. Quote, Nigerians in the Southeast have long been saying that it is an orchestrated campaign to Islamize the country, he said. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. The gospel of the day comes from Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit down upon the throne of his glory and all nations will be gathered in his presence, where he will divide men one from the other. As a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats, he will set the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those who are on his right hand, Come, you that have received the blessing from my father, take possession of the kingdom which has been prepared for you since the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food, thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you brought me home, and naked, and you clothed me, sick, and you cared for me, a prisoner, and you came to me. Whereupon the just will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw thee hungry, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When was it that we saw thee a stranger and brought thee home, or naked and clothed thee? When was it that we saw thee sick or in prison and came to thee? And the king will answer them, Believe me, when you did it to one of the least of my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left hand in their turn, Go far from me, that you that are accursed, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for you for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you never gave me food. I was thirsty, and you never gave me drink. I was a stranger, you did not bring me home. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, you did not care for me. Whereupon they in their turn will answer, Lord, was it that we saw thee hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to thee? And he will answer them, Believe me, when you refuse it to one of the least of my brethren here, you refuse it to me. And these shall pass on to eternal punishment, and the just to eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Cornelius Lapide had 30 minutes of commentary on this passage, so I had to like shrink this down like incredibly, so you're going to get just a taste of what Cornelius Lapide had to say. So I highly recommend looking up Cornelius Lapide, great commentary. You can find it for free online and read his commentary on the chapter and the verse for today. But he says, The majesty of Christ will appear first by the previous sounding of the awful trumpets of the archangel, which will be heard throughout all the world. Second, by the previous lightnings and thunderings, tempests and hell, according to the words in Psalm 97. And third, because Christ shall appear in his glorious body, brighter than the sun, as it is said in Isaiah, then shall the moon be ashamed and the sun confounded when the Lord of hosts reign. Taken in the mystical sense, for there is another and literal interpretation of these words, as I have shown commenting upon that passage. Fourth, because he shall descend from heaven, accompanied by innumerable legions of angels. And fifth, there shall stand before him in judgment all emperors, Pontiffs, that's very interesting that he mentions popes, kings, prelates, princes, philosophers, orators, and all men and nations whatsoever. Six, because he shall judge them not belonging to others, 
but as his own servants. For all men and angels are the servants of Christ, not only as he is God by the right of creation, but also as he is man by virtue of the hypostatic union with the word, meaning the uniting of the human nature and divine natures, and by right of merit. For Christ merited this by his lowly obedience, even to the death on the cross, according to what the apostles say. This is very interesting because, you know, you have all these kind of Hollywood movies that come out talking about the the, the coming of the second coming of Christ. Oh, this child was born and they're the second coming. Christ will not be born again. He's not going to enter into another woman's womb and be born again. He's going to come the way he left, meaning he ascended into heaven, right? And so he's going to descend from heaven in his glory. This is very important to note. And all the angels with him, therefore, in the day of judgment, Cornelius Lapide says, not only angel, not one angel shall remain in heaven, but all shall descend at the same time with Christ. They shall accompany him to do him honor as God and Lord and Savior. This is in kind of mind-boggling because there are so many angels that it is said that if you could see them all, that they would blot out the sun. There would be You wouldn't be able to see the stars and you wouldn't be able to see anything uh, in the sky because of how many angels there are. And Cornelius Lapide says that they will all take on uh, bodies so that way they will be visible to us. He says, and it's exceedingly probable that even the devils also will assume bodies and appear in them, but their bodies are going to be foul, dreadful, and horrible. He says the fire is fed by sulfur, which God will preserve forever, that it may continually burn the wicked. This is the fire which Moses threatened the Jews in Deuteronomy. A fire is kindled in my fury, and it shall burn unto the lowest hell. St. Chrysostom says, they shall be thrust into the river and sea of fire, a sea which can never be crossed, in which the waves of fire rise mountains high. Fire saying, but not earthly fire, but far more terrible than any here whose flames fill the great abyss, so that on every hand the fire seems ready to overwhelm, like some immense wild beast, if we cannot describe in language the most bitter torments of that fire in those flames what shall we say of them? Especially when we consider that a man placed for one moment in earthly fire would die, but there they are burnt and suffer, and never will that which is burnt be consumed. It goes on and talks about many other things in this passage, but during this Lenten season, let's meditate upon that reality. Hell is real, and we can go there. Woe to us if our Lord sees us on our judgment day and looks to us on our left and says, woe to you, and cast you into the eternal fire. So let's go to confession today. Let's repent, believe in the gospel, and do the will of our Father in all things. We'll be right back with more. Hi, it's your conscience here again. You know you want it. I'm talking, of course, about the 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. And on Friday, February 24th, it could be all yours if your name is on. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Tickets are $25 each or 5 for 100 So what are you waiting for? 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the Angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And good morning to you on this Monday morning. Here's a challenge for you during this Lenten season. Don't complain about Mondays. Instead, be grateful for Mondays. It's a beautiful day. And we have an opportunity to offer it all for the glory of God. You know, there's a couple stories that I thought were really concerning. I want to start with the first one here. Uh, there's three stories I have here, but we'll see if we're able to cover them all. I, I doubt it, but we'll, we'll see what we can do. The first story here is from the Daily Wire. It's by Virginia Kruta. She, the headline is, Paris Hilton reveals she's frozen 20 male embryos and is waiting for a girl. Let me read this to you. It's kind of, it, it really gets you into the mind of what some of these people are thinking and doing and why they are doing this. It's very concerning. He says here, hotel heiress Paris Hilton admitted in a recent interview that she and her husband, Carter Room, have frozen 20 embryos, all of them boys, and that she is, quote, waiting for the process to yield a girl. Their first child, Phoenix Barron, was via a surrogate last month. Hilton then revealed that she had already gone through the process of creating embryos seven times and that the net result had been 20 embryos, all the male. She said, quote, I have all boys. I have 20 boys. I just went through this process again a month ago, so I'm waiting for the results to see if there's any girls, end quote. She said in a interview with People Magazine, quote, I want a family so bad. It's just that physical part of doing it. I'm just so scared, she continued. Childbirth and death are two things that scare me more than anything in the world, end quote. Hilton was steered toward surrogacy by Kim Kardashian, her long-term friend. This is a very concerning story, especially since it's very interesting to me that she acknowledges that this is in fact her child. That these are her kids. She says, I have all boys. I have 20 boys. I'm waiting to waiting for the results to see if there are any girls. She recognized that they're children, that they're real human beings. But for her, children are just in a, a, in a, a commodity. It's something to be purchased, something to be had. And not only that, but then she goes on and talks about how she's not only doing this, but she won't even carry her own children to term. She is hiring a surrogate. This is very concerning because this is where we're headed as a culture. 
Uh, once we get to the point, because this is what's concerning about artificial wombs. Artificial wombs are a good because it protects human life. So if you have a preemie, we're able to save preemies at earlier and earlier ages because of artificial womb technology, things that are more and more akin to the womb. So that's a good thing. But we abuse that by saying, and this is what's going to come. It's going to be just like the giver. We're coming to the point where we won't, women won't give birth anymore. They're, going, they're trying to circumnavigate the curse of Eve. They're all trying to imitate the Blessed Virgin Mary without actually imitating the Blessed Virgin Mary. It is a perversion of our most glorious mother in heaven. Because they're saying, I do not want to suffer the consequences of sin. I do not want to suffer for my children. My children are just an accommodation for me, or just a commodity for me, rather. They don't mean much to me. I really, really want a child, but I don't want any of the responsibility, suffering, and crosses that come with it. That's what she's saying here. That's very, very concerning, because right now, this is only accessible to the very rich, wealthy, and the elite. But what's accessible for the elite will eventually trickle down, just like computer technology, phone technology, all these things. And I'm not saying that those things are equivalent to these things. Obviously, those things are not intrinsically bad, whereas this is. But these things that are, that are expensive and only accessible to the wealthy always becomes cheaper and more available, and people will start to be able to do it. And I would not be surprised if we get to a situation where the government desires to enforce this as a reality, enforce it onto the poor, say you have to do it this way, so that way we can select, selectly breed undesirables out and desirables in. Uh, what are your thoughts about this, Tito Edwards? Yes, it's a continuation of the commodification of the woman's body. It's not enough that we have contraception and now many men, maybe even most men, view women as just something to have pleasure with. Now now they're being reduced to a factory of producing babies. And there's already a a problem of this in India and other third world countries that are having so many impoverished women carrying these children for others. Recently we had the uh, popular uh, gay conservative activist brag about his two children that he ordered to have with him and his so-called partner. It's, it is, we're, we're just falling further and further, slouching towards Gomorrah. It's, it's dis- disconcerting. Yeah, it's horrible. And here's the other thing. These poor children, these 20 male embryos, because they're men, they are going to be locked away in a freezer indefinitely because we, we don't even know how to deal with this situation. Um, ethicists are dealing, trying to figure out what's the right thing to do here. Is it, do we implant them into women who are, because some women are saying, okay, well, I want to donate my body to save these children, but is that ethical? I don't think it is. I don't, I don't think that's ethical. Okay, well, what if we can implant them in artificial wombs and grow them that way? I guess that's the way to do it, um, but... At that point, I guess you're, you're rescuing them in that sense and doing it that way, but we don't have that technology yet, so we're just going to have to leave them frozen for years. 
uh, there was a story not that long ago about a a woman who or a child who was born who was like 80 years old because it was the child was fertilized 80 years ago and then frozen and it was just born finally and so the child is over like it's like it's older than their parents it's absurd this is insane and this is this is why it's concerning it's concerning because of the effects that it has on society. It shows where we're going and these poor 20 boys that will never see the light of day. Because more than likely, most of the time, they keep these children until you stop paying for them, paying for them to be kept. And then they just kill them. That's what happens. So this is very, very bad. And I, I mean, we must, we, I think it's a good idea. Maybe I'll look for a, a good ethicist to talk about this in further detail uh there's let's go move on to the story about the the white dust that fell upon uh, the ohio area i thought this was a very interesting story aaron fat said what is the mis- mysterious dust that fell from the sky thursday night they said quote we can tell you it's not related to the toxic chemicals from the east palestine ohio train derailment because we verified that was false earlier this week Okay, thanks. I appreciate that. I believe you. Uh, Okay, so they said here, according to Maryland Department of the Environment, it is, quote, aware of what appears to have been a wind-blown dust event last night. The likely explanation is that dust carried aloft from Texas and New Mexico into the Midwest. Virginia told WUSA 9, without formal analysis of the particles, it appears to have been dust transported from Texas to New Mexico and through the Midwest yesterday into the D.C. region following a frontal passage. At no time did our particle monitors show unhealthy readings. So, I don't know. Maybe it's just dust. Maybe it's just dust from New Mexico and Texas. That happens every once in a while where the wind picks up and blows dust from, I mean, we had that happen like from Africa, dust flying from Africa to the U.S. That happens. At the same time, I do think it's interesting that they said without formal analysis of the particles. They're like, we haven't really done any research, but we know that it's definitely not from the Ohio train derailment. We know that for sure. So we're excluding that as a possibility. So what else could it be? Uh, it's, uh, it's probably dust from Texas or New Mexico. And in the, the program there, they had the image of uh, a chart showing the dust flowing through all these different states. I'd be curious. Did someone call up the other states and say, hey, did y'all have dust settling in y'all's states? Or was that just happening around the Ohio area, just, you know, downwind of the area that had the derailment? Is that what's happening? I'm just curious. I don't know. I'm just asking questions. Uh, Tito, what are your thoughts? Yes, that reminds me when 9-11 occurred and the first responders went in in there. I remember distinctly they saw white dust and they were told, don't worry about it. That's not what you think it is or whatever you may think it is. (laughs) And many of them were given, uh, they had to sign forms that they would receive some sort of compensation for working there. And many others did not sign those forms, and they are still in litigation in 2023. Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, that's insane. So for them to say definitely not, even though we have not put this under a microscope and broken down the compounds of this dust to say that they're not harmful, 
that that's a red flag for me right there. It, for all we know, you're right. It could come from New Mexico and Texas. But let's do the analysis. Let's do a thorough vetting of what that is before people come out. It's it's the COVID pandemic all over again. Don't worry about it. The vaccine's great. Trust the science. Trust it's the, the science. Yeah, no, it's very concerning because, like you said, I mean, it could it could be anything. It could just be dust. It could just be some some sand particles and it's whatever. But why? What reason have we been given to trust the government? What reason have we been given to say that this is definitely not anything else? And if I was living there, I would be like, you do realize that just down the road there was a huge chemical spill that was burned and shot particles into the air. So do you really think it's crazy for us to just assume that this is not that? So how about you alleviate our fears and do some research and tell us and so we can test this instead of just telling us that we're crazy and that we're conspiracy theorists for trying to think, hey, I need to take care of my family and I want to take care of my own health. So let me be suspicious of white dust falling from the sky. Just an idea. With the last second we have here, and maybe I'll bring up the story again tomorrow if we have time. Uh, Pope begins phasing out the old mass just as Vatican II intended. LaCroix International Robert Mickens reports Francis has further angered Catholics devoted to preserving the Tridentine Mass that the bishops of the Vatican Council II explicitly wanted reformed. It's very interesting, this article, and the reason why I wanted to read this to you, but we definitely won't be able to get through it, is that this article basically explains the position of the more liberal faction in the church how they want the Latin Mass banned, and they are articulating that Vatican II desired this, that Vatican II, that Sacrosanctum Concilium, says that we need reasons for undertaking the reform and promotion of the liturgy, and that this must be interpreted as the Council Fathers wanting to change the liturgy and reform it. And so the unreformed liturgy, the 1962 Missal, must be gone and that Benedict's idea of two forms of the Roman Rite is an absolute fiction. That's their position. And I think it would be interesting to ana- analyze their position. So maybe we'll do that tomorrow. But coming up is Bree Dale, R- uh, course, Rome correspondent for the Daily Wire. She's going to be on talking to us about the German Synod. That's very concerning. A lot going on there. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 A.D., 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed at a church down the street. 
Hey Sita, how do you ask, do you love Catholic radio in German? Liebst du das katholische Radio? How about support it by purchasing car raffle tickets for a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250? Unterstütze es mit dem Kauf eines Tickets, mit dem du einen 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250 gewinnen kannst. Hmm, okay. How about get yours at grnonline.com forward slash raffle? Kauf eins auf grnonline.com forward slash raffle. Thank you. I needed that for a PSA. Cool. When are you recording it? Right now. Oh, danke. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Monday, February 27, 2023, and these are your headlines for today. Joe Burkus at Catholic News Agency reports the Department of Justice has charged eight pro-life advocates in Michigan with violations against the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, also known as the FACE Act. The charges come amid a wave of FACE Act charges from the Biden DOJ that have targeted several pro-life activists across the nation, including the recently exonerated sidewalk counselor and Catholic father of seven, Mark Hook. The FACE Act prohibits, quote, violent, threatening, damaging, and obstructive conduct intended to injure, intimidate, or interfere with the right to seek, obtain, or provide reproductive health services. Charles Collins at Crux reports that the Catholic Church in Scotland warns against anti-Christian bias in public life. Scottish Finance Secretary Kate Forbes is running to replace Scotland's First Minister Nicola Sturgeon, who announced her resignation. However, Forbes, a member of the Free Church of Scotland, has come under fire for her personal belief in traditional marriage norms, including saying having children outside of marriage, quote, would be wrong according to my faith, end quote. And finally, Father Raul Rittel Andrianik at Vatican News reports church in Poland's efforts to help over two million Ukrainians, record collections of funds and basic necessities in parishes, thousands of deliveries of supplies to Ukraine, the hosting of refugees in church buildings, psychological care, hospitality for children in schools and kindergartens. These are just some of the charitable activities that the, Polish, that the Catholic Church in Poland has carried out during the first year of the war in Ukraine. Archbishop Gadecki, president of the conference, expressed his church's solidarity with all Ukrainians, asking people to pray for them and announce a collection of aid in all Polish parishes. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are the headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And joining us in just a minute, it will be Bree Dale. She's a Rome correspondent for the Daily Wire, and she'll be talking to us about the situation going on in the German Synod, the German Synodal Way. I mean, we've always heard all these good things that come out of Germany, right? Uh, the German Catholic news agency, KNA, reported on Thursday that Bishop George Batzing will call for a common line in favor of blessing ceremonies for same-sex couples at the Bishop's Plenary Assembly in Dresden from February 27th to March 2nd. It's very concerning. So they're trying to, it seems as though, from my understanding, that they are trying to push for a common line in Germany among the bishops to have a blessings a blessing ceremony for same-sex couples. That is contrary to the will of God, and it's contrary to the church. And it's very, very interestingly, it's contrary to, to Pope Francis. Pope Francis has, has said not to do this. 
And yet, what do we keep seeing? We keep seeing people disobeying Pope Francis on this matter. So it's interesting to me because if Pope Francis does something, if Pope Francis does something that is against the against uh, traditionalist, then everybody jumps and says, we must obey, everybody has to obey. Yet in Germany, it appears, at least from an American perspective, I don't know what's going on internally among the people there, that they just do whatever they want, that they're not doing anything. So that's very interesting to me. Uh, KNA noted that the March Synodal Assembly will address a potential even more controversial document on gender issues dealing with gender diversity and will also allow, um, will also have its second reading in March. Uh, this was reported by the pillar, Luke Coppin. I thought that was very interesting. But uh, Bree Dale is joining us on Zoom. Good morning to you, Bree Dale. Good morning. Good morning, Bree. Uh, this whole situation in Germany, I just never can figure it out. I know it's, it seems as though everything is utterly insane and that they're they're all schismatics but in the pillar argument they did make a point saying hey there are bishops there that are combating this but it seems as though the liberals are winning out in germany so what's going on in germany well germany has had a, a pattern of this adrian we've been seeing this throughout the pontificate that pope francis gives them enough uh lead to hang themselves with um multiple times uh germany has come out with controversial um, or, or you know, documents in the past that um, have contradicted uh, what the church has always taught. And Pope Francis has every single time come out with a with a very strong statement. If you recall, he made a st- extremely strong, poignant statement directly to the church in Germany, which caused um, Cardinal Casper to uh, visit him twice afterwards in like almost an emergent sense because of the amount of scandal that it's causing. Adrian, at the bottom line is this, Germany continues to take tax, this is the secular state, continues to tax people uh, based on their religious values. Um, There has been a law in place in Germany uh, initiated by Hitler (laughs) during the time that he was you know chancellor and then you know obviously the dictator in in germany um that was agreed upon at first by the german bishops in order for the church to maintain um some kind of standing and be able to hold on to its properties during uh the beginning of the war world war ii um but this tax is despite everything that germany has done to refute hitler uh, they still have not reversed this tax where the only way you are not taxed for the ability to go to mass and be, um, you know, be able to receive uh, the sacraments and be buried in Germany is to go to the the secular state office and to renounce your faith. So, Adrian, like the reason why the church in Germany is so wealthy, even though the people um, very few people are actually attending nowadays um, is because of this tax, because the church gets some of this holdover, clearly. And so the, the, the question really is, are these 
um, mostly baby boomer aging um, bishops making a last stand to try to change the church almost in a schismatic way in Germany. And I would argue right now Pope Francis is is trying to hang on to this this church by allowing um, partially the the synod and synodality to go forward. But he has he has come back and told the Germans over and over and over again, this isn't this we're not we're not going to handle this. So, frankly, you know, the argument now has to go to, I would say, Congregation and the Doctrine of the Faith and others who are involved. I mean, the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith has come out, at, you know, I think it was in 2021 and made it definitive. The church is never going to bless same sex unions. So and yet, and that that was that was supported by Pope Francis. Has the CDF come out recently to push it? Has the CDF come out recently to respond to the things that are happening in Germany, or is it, has Rome have any kind of response to it recently? I know they. I, I was. I remember Pope Francis coming out and saying, "No, we we can't do this. Hey, guys, slow down," and things like that. Right. But has there anything been official been put out against them? Uh, so. Well, official put out, I mean, 2021, you know, the Pope has written the letter to the German Synod in the past. I would say what the Synod and Synodality is doing is allowing, again, for people to get into their working groups and really be, um, I have to say, like, it's kind of a a fascinating tactic, but really allow people to be um, a little focused on their, you know, on their machinations and their focus groups right now but nothing has come out because nothing definitive has come out i mean the only thing that's come out of the synod and synodality right now is you know what these these laymen and some uh, some um clerics have have kind of interpreted by the feedback that they've gotten so far but none of this is authoritative the document that came out last year not authoritative so this is this to me it seems like actually a rather interesting tactic by Pope Francis to keep people within their little groups um, talking, but like not all, nothing, nothing authoritative has come out, nor do I anticipate anything authoritative coming out that's changing doctrine when it comes to the church's teaching on same-sex marriage and whatnot, because we, we've seen the authoritative documents that have come out and they have supported the 2000 years of history and tradition that the church has taught. You mean so um, out of Rome, right? Yeah, Not yeah, out of, out of Rome, right? Twenty-one. And so the and so for Germany, though, what do you think about? Will they come out with anything authoritative? Because right, we have a, a the the authority of Rome, but every local ordinary kind of have his own degree of authoritative statements. Obviously, they're not as authoritative as a declaration from the Holy Father. And, you know, there are different degrees of authority. But do you foresee them being any kind of authoritative documents coming out of Germany that's going to contradict the uh, teachings of the church? We've seen the their documents coming out and they are contradicting the church. But, oh, so did Luther. So, I mean, it does seem like <laughs> out of Germany, there's a consistent issue uh, within the church in Germany to kind of take... Um, worldviews and exasperate them in order to benefit them but it never does seem to go well for them in the end you know with the reformation out of germany as well it didn't it caused a massive schism but in the end the church remained and those individual you know prelates 
including Luther, separated from the Catholic Church. We'll have so to hold you off right there, Bree. Uh, when we come back, I want to keep on with this conversation, especially with the transgender issue. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. How much havoc would be caused at your church if your pastor brought a big statue of St. Peter or St. Paul and placed them in the sanctuary? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history's on the side of the Catholic Church. Christian art, in many forms, dates way back to about 120 A.D., and so do those various Christian symbols which we still see today. You know, a dove, a fish, a lamb. Why are those okay? Secondly, the Bible, Exodus, Numbers, and Ezekiel. All these books show God telling Moses, David, or Ezekiel to carve out images of angels that were used in worship. And, and thirdly, a tough comeback, especially for my guy friends. Does Cooperstown, Canton, or Cleveland mean anything to you? Yep, the Hall of Fame locations filled with statues, jerseys, bats, and balls. Memorabilia is a $37 billion industry, but you say, don't bring a statue into my church. Well, how many of you guys have admired one of those bronze statues of an athlete? I'd rather stare at St. Peter's, Paul, and Mary in my church, and I'm not talking about the old folk band. I bet you're wondering to yourself, how can I win a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C? Easy. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Only $25 a ticket or five tickets for $100. The drawing is February 24th, 2023. So, do you feel lucky? Well, do ya? Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And joining me right now is Bree Dale. She's the Rome correspondent for The Daily Wire. And we're talking about the German Synod. It's very concerning. I just saw this out of the pillar. Uh, Luke Coppin wrote this. He said, the draft document condemns the, quote, willful negative politicization of intersex and transgender persons in the church and in society, end quote, and says that all ordained ministers and pastoral vocations in the church should be open to the intersex and transgender baptized and confirmed who sense a calling for themselves. I thought that was uh, incredibly concerning because does that imply that they are wanting to push for transgenders to be ordained? Because they're saying a calling for themselves that usually it kind of has the connotation of vocation. Uh, What's going on in Germany, Brie? Well, I would say like just like anything when it comes to uh, this pontificate, Pope Francis's words in regards to civil law um, targeting homosexuals um, and those of same-sex orientation is likely going to be um, cited in this document as supporting the next step, right? Um, and, And that's just the way that uh, bad actors manipulate. And it's very clear that there's an agenda-driven purpose out of Germany. It's very clear that Germany is, I think, really, t- again, the, the prelates being all of them aged at this point and looking at the, the demographics right now, those who are actually attending church in Germany. I do feel like this is a last step uh, or last-ditch uh, effort by by these individuals to try to push for substantial change in the 2000 years of history and tradition. Um, So, you know, going back to what the Pope said with regards to um, civil authorities targeting um, homosexuals, I think people really need to take a look at who he was specifically addressing in Africa 
uh, where you could be accused of being a homosexual with no evidence in certain countries and be incarcerated or even put to death. Um, and we see that in the Middle East as well. So I think we have to be really clear in the context, sadly, because of the manipulation in the media and manipulation for agenda purposes. And that is on both politi- uh, polarizations in, in the church right now. So I would say just take a look at what the history has been um, with this pontificate and the Germans and see that Pope Francis has uh, allowed the Germans oftentimes to to go beyond the pale, and then he slams them. Uh, so I think that there is uh, is that what you a foresee happening? Scandal that's going on. Do you foresee that happening? A they letting them? Yes. Oh, really? And it's interesting because I you I know, do. I foresee this happening. Okay, that's mm-hmm. very interesting to me because I I look at that and I see what's happening in Germany. I see everything going on. And it kind of seems to me that because uh, it seems as though they are going to go into schism if something right. isn't done now. So it, do you think that he's going to wait until they actually de- de- drive themselves into schism and then and what declare them in schism, excommunicate them? Or what do you what do you foresee happening there? And that and that's that's going to be a question. Will Pope Francis actually declare such? Now, I go back to, again, citing actual documentation. I go back and take a look at what his letter said when he sent it to the Germans. um, I think it was three years ago and uh, it was a real correction. And they got in line because especially Cardinal Casper and Cardinal Marx saw the running on the wall like they had pushed too far. And um, and then they went back to the working groups. I, I don't know, like, I feel like we're hitting uh, another historical event, what we're seeing within the Synod and Synodality. I mean, of course, we've got to keep watching, like, who's actually responding to this? Clearly, the Germans have um, activists involved in this. And clearly, in the United States, we've seen activist manipulation as well. Um, the question is going to be when it gets to Rome, how this is going to be uh, reacted to. And specifically, the Germans seem to be um, really pushing the buttons of Pope Francis. He has responded to them in the past. I do anticipate him responding again, but it's gonna be dependent on whether or not they themselves. So they, the Germans will likely, if they, if they are to be declared in schism, I do believe it's going to be only when they themselves declare it. You know, mm. so they say we don't want to. We will not obey this. The church in Germany will not obey. And if they do that, just like Luther did, um, then they are in schism. And I think that drives to a point like, you know, how and when do people in the history of the church, how and when are people declared in schism? Is it when they say they come out publicly and say we will not obey and do actions or is it um, prior to that through holding certain thoughts and and clearly right now in Germany, uh, just holding certain thoughts and even getting to the point and making them public has yet to have Rome call them in schism. I think Pope Francis is very reluctant in doing that, Adrian. Yeah, I think that it'd be very interesting to see how this plays out, especially like you're saying, theologically, how, like, at, at what point are you in schism? I mean, that, that debate's been going on with the Eastern Orthodox and trying to say, when was the great schism? Was it in the in the 1200s? Was it before that? Was it after that? And everybody, it's, it's a very hotly debated topic. But here's another question. In Germany, 
since we were talking at the beginning of the show about the topic of their finances and how you have to formally apostatize in order to stop donating to the German church. Well, if they are declared schismatic by Rome or they separate themselves from Rome and Rome and Rome doesn't declare them schismatic and they kind of declare themselves schismatics. What does that mean for the German church? Uh, does Germany recognize right. Catholic authority in Rome or is they only recognize the bishops in Germany? And what happens to all the property? in right. Germany that is owned by the church. If they declare themselves in schism, are they taking the, and I think that's where, you know, questions when we talk about following the money, that's where we get down to the nuts and bolts of it when Casper um, and and Marx, um, but Casper in particular, um, almost emergently uh, met with Pope Francis after his letter to directly to the German church a few years ago, is that there is a realization there that hits home. Now, my question is, why are the German um, people, the German faithful, why aren't they bringing up to their legislation enough with the Hitler foundational um, law here? Mm. This this doesn't help anybody, but, uh, you know, the top, the enrich themselves. Uh, and it, especially those who are in the faithful, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me why they would continue to permit this, this law. Um, but again, like if the church the at you know at large holds those properties then what happens to those bishops who say no we are in union with the with uh the magisterium in this and maintain um you know uh, union with the church and those who uh who schism themselves i think it's something that you know we can learn from the reformation time and and i'm sure pope francis and his advisors are questioning that at this point as well because germany after the united states germany is one of the most wealthy uh portions of the church and i'm sure pope francis for if not for just for the sake of the unity of the church at all it also for the the practical sense of a loss of a lot of material wealth out of that country um, is concerned for for this particular scenario. Yeah, I think that's really the only way in which this really gets settled. Because I don't think they actually care about being in schism. I don't. I really don't think. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know the interior life of their souls, but just based on their external actions, it seems as though they don't care about being in communion with the church, and they don't care about the teachings of the church. But they do probably care about money. And so, if it's the case that Germany it does base their definition of what is a Catholic off of Rome, and they are declared declare schismatic, that they lose their taxism status. I don't know if that exists in Germany, but presumably it does. And they lose their taxing. They lose all these kind of ideas. Well, I can see them falling in line for that reason and using and Francis using that as a cudgel against them. Uh, that well, that Adrian, makes most sense and to me. Think about this, too. They lose the authority that and I think that's one of the things that I put up the other day on social media is like, why are these particular groups who say I'm such and such a Catholic, whether it's like I'm a rad trad or I'm a progressive? Why are these individuals like, you know, who are manipulating, let's say it's not all rad trads and it's not all progressives, but there are activists involved using that kind of as a shield to to do their activism behind. And we're seeing this with the with the Germans in 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 the way that they're presenting this. Like, why do they stay within the church mm -hmm. if they if they hate the magisterium or or they find this particular pontificate abhorrent? Why stay within the church? And 
I would I would argue that because the the title of being a Catholic has comes with it the two thousand years of history and tradition. The only way they think they're going to be able to maintain such authority is to try to change the church from within. And we've seen this throughout history. So it is going to be the question to whether or not the, the Germans in particular are willing to, to again, um, say, I will not serve as mm-hmm. Luther did before and have enough backing behind them from. And it doesn't seem like, again, looking at the percentage of people going to, to church, like attending mass. It seems like the majority of those people tend to be uh, adherent to traditional magisterium. Mm-hmm. So if they if they schism themselves, what backing do they have and what authority do they have? Are they going to be called progressive German Catholic Church? Like, what are they going to be called? So I think the intent for them is to maintain hold of this authority and try to change the church from within. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially, you know, we see all these other uh, like the, the the new Catholics or the, the old Catholics and a lot of these other groups that exist. Um, you know, the the traditionalists, it makes sense to me why they stay in the church, because they believe that if they are out of the church, they're going to hell. But the a lot of these progressives don't really even believe in hell or they believe everyone is saved. So that really doesn't make sense that the the, the primary reason would be sort of like a clout a money and power situation. Uh, but in the, the, you mentioned a second ago about the population in Germany. So last question here, what is the reaction of the, the people in Germany? I uh, truly like majority of people aren't plugged into what's going on in, in the Synod. I mean, we, we know this for the fact out of, out of, out of the United States as well. Most people in the United States mm. aren't aware of this, this, the synod and synodality. They haven't been asked uh, their opinions or their opinions have been ignored. Or in the case of, say, um, what we saw in Pennsylvania, their opinions were were completely ignored and then replaced with activist artist opinions. So I, I it, like those who I speak to on the ground in Germany are involved in the day-to-day life of the cat of raising Catholic families. Well, I have to cut you off there, Bree, but thank you for joining us. We'll have to have you back in the future, but God bless you. God love you. When we come back, we have our game show, Fear and Trembling, coming up next in the next hour. We'll be right back. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. She's having a relationship with George. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's hearts, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early church fathers ever wrote any 
anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching at the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. So the neighbor who we've spoken to, you know, just in greeting, who I don't believe has ever spoken back to us, out of the blue uh, surprised us. One day we were getting the kids in the car for Mass and asked us if we were going to Mass. I was dumbstruck for about probably 10 seconds. It was great that we had an opportunity to share about our parish and that we were Catholic. Turned out she was Catholic too, and she assumed we were because of the bumper sticker on our car. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. In your car, at the office, or in your home, we're always here. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. James Pineda with the Catholic Organization of Life. You're listening to AM 1430, KSHJ Houston, the glue that holds Houston's Catholic community together. Part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and good morning to you. Praise be to God. I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Hope it was restful. Hope you accomplished everything you planned to accomplish. Hope you had a good time with your family. I had a great time with hanging out with some friends over the weekend on, on Saturday. Some of my friends got together for his wife's concert because she was graduating from her master's program, Master's in Sacred Music. And so the music was exquisite. Very nice. And also Saturday was a birthday of one of my really close friends. So happy birthday, Will. And uh, Sunday we celebrated. So we went out for food and drinks after mass. And uh, he chose the most expensive restaurant ever. And I was like, hey, don't worry, dude, I'll pay for you. Big mistake. Big, big mistake. I was like, dude, why did you choose the most expensive restaurant you possibly could? But yet, it's, it's it's okay, though. I'm not complaining. I'm totally not complaining. It's totally fine. Not upset about it at all. What are we talking about here? Like uh, $30 plates? Yeah. $50 like, plates? Nah, not that bad. If it was that bad, I would have been like, dude, you're paying for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it was like t- over $20, though. Oh, and that's so, normal these days. Dude, I'm like, if it's more than... If it's more than thirteen dollars, then I'm like, dude, this is expensive. If this it's is... more than a number two Whataburger uh, meal, then I don't. Wanna, <sighs> Those two don't are, are exp- yeah. That, everything has gone in price. A Whataburger meal is like now it's like eleven dollars, twelve dollars. So man. it's it's it, it, everything's expensive now. So I was thinking, I was like, okay, I know that everything's expensive. So I was thinking about fifteen dollars would be a average price for a decent restaurant nowadays. But I was like, whew, dude, I spent probably like $18 on just his drink. Uh, wow. Man. One drink? Man, yep. <laughs> so I'm like, nah, bro, I'm out on this one. But I, I, it was good, though. Happy birthday, Will. Uh, but in your charity, I mean, we all had Rudy was at a, at a funeral over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that? Were we praying for, for those? Uh, who was the name of, the, of this child? Young Matthias. Matthias. Three days old. And uh, please pray for 
uh, for uh, my, my good friends uh, Sloan and Anthony, who are uh, suffering through the uh, you know the loss of their child. But uh, wow, it was a crazy trip, Adrian. Uh, you know, I barely made it back home the day the day that I was flying back. I was swerving through oh, lanes, no. and I had three minutes before the gate closed. Oh no! It was uh, it was a very very challenging trip, but uh, you know it was worth it to be there for them. Because did you go with your family, friends. or was it just by yourself? No, just myself. Okay. I was if, about to say, oh man, if I brought yeah. like, <laughs> if I brought Ashley, it. my beloved wife, and and my my daughter, there's no way we would have made it. Sprinting <laughs> through the airport, <laughs> carrying your your daughter. <laughs> At one point, you know, I um I thought I would I would save a little bit of cash, and I thought, oh you know, maybe I'll just book a Motel 6. I'm just going to sleep there, right? I mean, it's just a few hours of sleep. It's not a big deal. I didn't know that it, the reputation of these motels was, like, really bad. So I got there, <laughs> sure enough, uh, and I, I refused a room. And they were like, sorry, you refused it too late, so you're going to have to pay for it. And I said, okay, I'm going to come back tomorrow and talk to the manager. That ended up being a complete wash. But at uh, like midnight, I am sitting outside in the car trying to find a hotel <laughs> and every hotel is booked because of the rodeo that happened oh, to be in town. <laughs> so at like two in the morning, I check into the one hotel that had a, a vacancy. And uh, yeah, it was a, a rough trip all, all around. Rough trip. <sighs> That's terrible. Yeah. Well, yeah. So we'll definitely be praying for, for them. And please pray for my, my great grandmother who also passed away over the weekend she she died on i believe it was saturday morning or friday evening one or the other so if you pray for her janie hernandez is her name I pray for the repose of her soul but yeah it's it's been a uh death-filled uh week i had a number of friends reach out to me and was like hey so-and-so died uh, my friend macy kim her her son passed away over uh, on february 15th joseph aquinas which wow. pretty dope name to be honest. Uh, he was he was um, in the hospital for a, quite a while. They were praying for a miracle, and um, yeah, the child I guess finally passed on the February fifteenth. It's sad, but at the same time, what a what a grace to have your child be born and then baptized and then pass away, because yeah. now you have a a you literally have a saint in heaven exactly praying for you. What a grace! And you know that was that was the homily. Uh, they they had the uh, the funeral mass at the ICK parish over in in Tucson, mm. and they the 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 homily was it went something along the lines of you know most parents struggle their whole life to try and get their their children into heaven. They have. Uh, they don't have to do that. He has already attained salvation. He's already there in heaven. He's he's gotten the happiness that they could never give him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a wonderful opportunity too. You know, maybe not for the people who are suffering, but to to ponder. You know, death as we as we uh, progress through this Lenten season. You know, we we begin Ash Wednesday as a, a reminder that we're going to return into dust. Uh, it's a good reminder for us to to remember that day is sure to come for us. And to uh, to prepare accordingly. Yeah, my my friend uh, Maria, or not Maria, his his daughter's name is Maria, uh, Maria Castle. She when she passed away, they had their funeral here in Houston, and so I went to that, which I thought was kind of funny because neither of them are from Houston, mm. and I met them not in Houston either. So I thought it was really strange. And they also don't live in Houston currently, mm. so I don't know how they ended up being in Houston. But it was, praise be to God. So I was able to attend their their daughter's funeral. 
And yeah, it's just so beautiful. In the in the traditional mass, they have the mass of the angels mm-hmm. that said uh, instead of the funeral mass because they're like we're not praying for their soul because we know yeah. for certain because they're before they the age no of reason, of no stain of original sin. So we know with a hundred percent certainty that they are in heaven. And so we do not have a funeral mass for them. We don't pray for their soul. We implore their aid instead. Mm, like, how epic is that? So they yeah. gave out holy cards of Maria Castle, and I kept them in my in my missile. So every time I'm flipping through my missile, I'll come across the, the the holy card, and I'll pray to Maria Castle and be like, Maria, pray for me. And yeah. it's uh, such a wonderful thing. What a grace. So, yeah, it's very tragic, and all these things, I mean, obviously, it's still a great sting on the heart. Mm. I, I can't even imagine being in that situation. But also, what a absolute grace to be able to have that have that benefit. And if you have... A family member in that situation remember to pray to them pray and ask for their intercession that you have someone and you're in heaven who's the blood of your blood bone of your bone who's in heaven and and praying for your for your salvation what a grace i just i think that's such an amazing amazing opportunity and also keep that i saw this i saw this video over the weekend and i just played it like a dozen times because i just thought it was so funny there's this guy called uh, uh, on this has this YouTube channel called Game Theory, and he was talking about this video game, and <laughs> he was uh, and in the video he was talking about this uh, goblin creature who is uh, and he's like saying that this was a Mexican tradition. This is a Mexican uh, folklore, and he says yes, the the Mexicans believed that if you did not baptize your baby as an infant they would become as goblin creature and <laughs> that they and this is how the tradition of baptizing infants came into the catholic church oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> i was like wait what uh, no it's like <laughs> we've been doing baptism in, 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 in baptism of the infants since the first century what are you talking about <laughs> like oh, how do boy. you get that I I can understand when secular people get things wrong about the church when it's like about what is transubstantiation or things that are very technical. Okay, I get it. Calendar events like, yeah, see, uh, this completely random thing on the other side of the world, it takes place during the same time. And it kind of sounds a little Ishtar, Easter, you know, it sounds the same, right? Even, yeah, even, at least those. I it's a little stretch, but okay. Uh, I can understand how someone might be deceived by that. But this, literally, I'm pretty sure you can just Wikipedia's got it accurate. I'm pretty sure you can just Wikipedia <laughs> Baptism, that. Baptism, Wikipedia. Baptism, Catholic, Wikipedia. Was this guy a, a video game enthusiast? Was that was his yeah, thing? He was not a that. Catholic at all, or he was just a cultural Catholic, and he just weighed in on that. I have, and, I have like, no clue. I got that video game brain. Yeah, that's what Can't it is. Him. I presume he's not Catholic at all. Uh, he he did mention his his wife went to Catholic school, which explains everything. That, therefore, <laughs> therefore she's an expert. <laughs> expert. I, yes, if you went to Catholic school, you're automatically expert in all things Catholic, is what I've noticed, and that's the the biggest argument I get whenever I'm talking to people about the Catholic faith, and they are responding with these um, absurd ideas about what Catholic Church teaching is. And they would be like, look, I went to Catholic school. And I'm like, oh, okay. Which one? <laughs> so, so, you, so you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and I'm like, I went to Catholic school too, dude. And I know exactly what you learned there. I was, <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was amusing. But yes, baptize your infants. 
It's not a tradition that came out of Mexico and goblins in the, I guess, 17th century, 16th century. Did not happen there. It came from the first century. You can read in the Didache. You can read it in Acts of the Apostles when they came in and they baptized entire households. Entire communities. Uh, to clear the confusion, you, you just said baptism or goblins came out of the first century? Um, definitely not goblins. Okay. Goblins just... definitely were not, don't, they don't exist. Any Catholic ex- experts uh, in the video game will, will be calling about that. Yeah, there's, there's, goblins don't exist, just so people know. I mean, that It's not real. Just, Are you sure? I'm not certain, but I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm mostly sure. You're definitely sure. Yeah, I'm not 100% certain, but I'm like 99% certain. Got it. Like the dust, right? It's definitely not from Ohio. It's from Texas and New Mexico. Exactly. Please pray for the people in Ohio. And I was like, do you think we would have got that dust in Houston if it's from New Mexico and Texas, right? Yeah. Well, it depends on where the wind is blowing, right? And and where it originated in Texas, yeah. I guess. I guess, so. I don't know. I'm very skeptical about those kind of things. I'm like... Me too. Yeah. I... (laughs) I try, I try my best to uh, be reasonable, but when they come out and say things like, it's the most absurd thing ever to think that this was from Ohio, immediately my red flags go up because if you're a reasonable person, you would be like, I can understand why everybody thinks this is coming from Ohio, so let me alleviate your fears by saying, yeah, we looked into it. It's definitely not the chemicals. Then I'd be like, okay, at least they are acknowledging the fact that it could be in that their fears are are substantiated like it's a it's a reasonable fear to have but they whenever they come out and they're like this is the dumbest thing ever how dare you think that and I'm then like, they sling the name at you mm-hmm. you're, like, you're a theorist. conspiracy theorist you're spreading misinformation trademark you're a yeah, bigot. then i'm upset then i'm like okay you're hiding something from me so i don't know that's kind of my attitude and i guess that's now y'all know and that's the way to get me. That's the way to, uh, if you want to lead me down a, a rabbit hole, that's the way to do it. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of rabbit hole, not only is the price of food going up, just hard segue, did you guys uh, realize that they're also reducing the, the portions of food on top of increasing the price? Yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, going back to my to yesterday, whenever I was eating out with my buddy for his birthday, um, we were looking at our plates and we were like, this is like, we spent how much money? And this is the amount of food we get? And it's not like one of those like super, super fancy restaurants where you pay $100 for a two-ounce steak. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't one of those restaurants. And it's beautifully stacked on top of a little tiny portion of mashed potato with, with like, like garnish. a single leaf. It was it's like, they went out in the backyard to grab the leaf and they put it on it. But they grew it themselves. <laughs> so therefore it's it's definitely worth that price tag. Right, totally. Yeah, we were there and, and I, we were like, I'm pretty sure last time we came here, because we, we used to go there not infrequently um, back in like 2019. And we were like, this is not that small back then. Like this was, <laughs> we were able to eat the whole meal and we were like stuffed. But this time it was... It was a lot left over, and I was like, this is, or not left over, there was like, not a lot there. So yeah, I mean, the economy, man, is getting really bad. It's something that we need to be concerned about, but right now, what we're concerned about is getting a caller for our game show, Fear and Trembling. If you want to be our caller, just call in 877-757-9424. 
that number gets you a chance to win this week's prize, 877-757-9424. And you can be the contestant. All you have to do is pick up your phone and dial 877-757-9424. You can call now, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back with our game show, Beer and Trembling, after this short break. I've been listening to Guadalupe Radio for a couple years now, and I think it was a bumper sticker I saw on somebody's car one time, and it's a radio station that I don't have to be concerned about or worried about. When the kids and I are driving, I don't have to worry about inappropriate items. It's just the opposite. It's educational. I've learned so many different topics and on different subjects that I couldn't believe being a Catholic and being baptized as a child. There's so many things I didn't know, and now in these past couple years that I've been listening in, I've learned so much. I promise to love you in good times and in bad, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. On your wedding day, you made this vow to your spouse in the presence of God and all those present. These are not words to be taken lightly. And the reality is that the responsibilities of marriage and family can be challenging at times. Good times can become bad in the blink of an eye. Things like financial hardship and sickness, among others, very often bring about fears and anxieties that make it difficult to be as loving as we should be. There is a simple Latin phrase to keep on hand when fear and anxiety take over our thoughts. Quid est hoc ad aeternitatum? What is this in the light of eternity? In other words, keep things in proper perspective. While the challenges here on this earth seem like a big deal at the moment, they are but a flash in the pan compared to all of eternity in heaven. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. Check us out on Facebook. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call. We're waiting for a caller. That number again is 877-757-9424. A excellent opportunity to be on the game show. If you've never been a caller, I encourage you, pick up the phone and dial 877-757-9424, and you could be the contestant to win this week's prize on the Fear and Trembling Game Show. The game show is very easy, very straightforward, simple. I guarantee that you will win. There are going to be three opportunities. I'm going to ask not you, but I'm going to ask Tito, and I'm going to ask Rudy the question, and it's going to be your job to give me an answer of who is right and who is wrong because Rudy's going to give me an answer, Tito's going to give me an answer, and you have a 50-50 chance if you just guess. You have a 50-50 chance of guessing who's right and who's wrong. That number to call is 877-757-9424 if you want to be a contestant on this week's game show. And our prize this week is, uh, Tito, what's our prize this week? 
Our prize this week <clears throat> is, hold on one second, I updated it. We got something new. Our prize this week is an 8x10 Holy Family print from Just Love Prints. From Just Love Prints. Well, thank you very, very much, Just Love Prints, for being on our show. Have you seen the print, Tito? Uh, it's beautiful. It's, it's classic. Beautiful. It's uh, one of those uh, pre-1973 classical prints. Okay, so it's not like it's not like uh, animated or no. It's not like weird looking. It's it's very beautiful, very very uh, classical. Yes, good, it's it's, good. it's soul infusing. Praise be to God. Well, thank you very much, Just Love Prints, for being our sponsor this week. And uh, we, I think we have somebody on the line. If you didn't get on the line today, this morning, uh, make sure you call. Uh, I mean, make sure you call back this week, 877-757-9424. So make sure you do that. But uh, joining us right now, uh, who, who is on the line right now? Hello? Hello? Yes, sir. What is your name? Mike. Perez. Mike. Good morning to you, Mike. Where are you calling from? San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, Texas. Congratulations from being from the great city of uh, St. Anthony. I'm actually going to try to make a pilgrimage out there fairly soon. Uh, have you? How's your link going? Uh, sorry, Mike. Is it Mark or Mike? I just Mike. Completely Mike. Mike. Okay, Mike. How's your uh, link going so far, Mike? Oh, it's going great. Great. Yeah. Uh, we went to Ash Wednesday and then uh, out in St. Peter's and Bernie. And uh, it was great, man. A lot of people were there. And, uh, this past Sunday, my son, uh, Diego, also served. Uh, and actually, all three of my boys also served for uh, St. Peter's out there in Bernie. Wow, proud nice. dad moment. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I never served when I was a kid because I was just too scared. And so my mom and dad were trying to get me to serve, and I was like, nah. Uh, That's how I was. That's how I was, yeah. But That's I was pretty awesome. I was only boy, but... But these boys, I think, just having brothers help them out, you know, they get comfortable and they have each other to rely on and, you know, they're safe. Amen. Uh, Amen. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I, I love it. I didn't start serving until I was in college and then I just fell in love with serving. So I'm glad that they're able to, to jump into that situation much younger and it's very good for their soul. But thank you very much for calling in, Mike. Are you familiar with the game show? Yes. Huh? Awesome. Awesome. It's very simple. Yes, I'm guarantee. You're going to get the answers. Uh, you're going to get at least your name in there one time. But I'm thinking, I'm looking at the questions here. I'm thinking you're going to, probably going to get a threefer. You're going to get all three in. I'm, that's my guess, but we'll see. Uh, Mike, do you have any kind of idea of who here is uh, the trickiest? Is it is it Rudy or is it Tito? Uh, maybe Rudy. <laughs> maybe what? Rudy, yeah. Well, I resent so. that remark. Yeah, well, I guess we'll find out today who's the trickiest, Rudy or Tito. So, all right. Mike, let's jump into the game. Uh, we're going to go with Rudy, as is our custom. Uh, Rudy, are you ready? I am ready. Awesome. Awesome. The first question is, is St. Peter the author of any of the epistles? Uh, an author of epistles? Yes. Like, shoot him up pistols? Mm, oh, no, you're talking no, no. about E-pistols. Spelled with an E, Epistles. Right. Okay. Epistle. <laughs> Epistles. Of course he is. Definitely. Of course he is. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm trying to you're think. You're uh, 1 Peter uh, 5, right? We're Catholics, right? So I've, I don't think I've ever flipped it in New Testament past, past John. <laughs> um, but 
Uh, you're saying that the answer is yes. Yeah, definitely. Okay, okay. Tito, same question. Is St. Peter the author of any of the epistles? St. Peter, a uh, fisherman, rural part of Galilee. My guess is no. I, I, I don't know if he could even write. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. I guess if he was a fisherman, maybe he, maybe he didn't even know how to write. That's a good point. Okay, Mike, uh, there you go. The, I don't know. This seems kind of tricky. Who's... Right, who's wrong? 15 seconds on the clock. Is it Rudy who says, yes, of course. Haven't you heard of 1 Peter 5? That's written by Peter. And over here we got Tito saying, no, absolutely not. Uh, he was a fisherman. He didn't know how to write. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Mike, what say you? He's a fisherman. So you don't think he says the answer you're going with no? Right. Are you sure? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Yes, yes, or yes, no. Peter was a fisherman. Yeah, no, the answer is no. The answer is yes. I'm sorry. The answer is yes. The St. Peter was, in fact, the author of the epistle of Peter, First and Second Peter. He was the author of those, those epistles. Uh-huh. So the answer is, in fact, yes. 1 Peter 5, the, uh, the blog is, is not written by Peter, but <laughs> 1 Peter 5, the... Epistle, epistle was was written by yeah, Peter. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and was that was that confusing at all? Was that that was clear as mud, right? Yeah, clear as mud. <laughs> very, very good, very good. <laughs> Don't worry, Mike. We'll get you in for the second one. The second question. Let's go to Tito first. The super abundant merits of Christ and the saints are called what? Super abundance. <clears throat> It's called the Holy Abundance. It's called the Holy Abundance. Correct. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. The Holy Abundance. Very on the nose, I would say. Okay, Rudy, same question. The superabundant merits of Christ and the saints are called what? Okay. Uh, Well, that is what's known as the treasury of the church. And let me tell you, it really is a treasure because their, their faith, their acts... Wonderful, wonderful inspiration. So whenever we talk about, you know, the Pope pulling from the treasury of the church to dispense indulgences and blessings, we're talking about that. We're talking about that, and we're not talking about the secret lair under the Vatican full oh. of gold. You know, you know that cartoon, Scrooge McDuck? Yeah. McDuck? Is That's that, not is real. That the one? He jumps into the gold? Yeah. That was actually filmed in the Vatican. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well. There you go. But that's that's not the treasury of the church. No. Okay. The treasury of the church is what you're saying is the answer to a superabundant merits of Christ and the saints. Amen, brother. Okay. Amen. Okay. All right, Mike. The question is, the superabundant merits of Christ and the saints are called what? Rudy seems to think that the answer is the treasury of the church. And Tito seems to think the answer is holy abundance. Um 15 seconds of the clock, Mike, the, is it treasury of the church, as Rudy says, or is it holy abundance, as Tito says? Um, treasury of the church? Treasury of the church. Nailed it! Way to go, Mike! It is, in fact, the treasury of the church. Yes, the treasury of the church is not gold and silver but in fact, it is the merits of Christ and the saints. And that's how the Pope dispenses graces through indulgences. He dips his hand into the treasure of the church and dispenses them to the faithful. Uh, but very good, Mike. We're going to jump into question number three. Let's go back to Rudy. The question for you, Rudy. 
is what is the fund set apart for the support of an institution of the church called? Okay, the fund set apart for the support of an institution of the church. That's known as an endowment. An endowment. An endowment. Okay, an endowment. That's interesting. I've heard of those before. All right, Tito, same question to you. What is the fund set apart for the support of an institution of the church called? The fund for the institution of the church? That sounds like classic capitalist wording. Um, Pension. Okay, you're saying that it has a pension fund. Correct. Okay. All right. Interesting. Interesting. All right, Mike, 15 seconds of the clock. The question is, what is the fund set apart for the support of an institution of the church called? Rudy says that it's an endowment where you're endowing some money to the church, whereas Tito seems to think it's a pension fund. Uh, 15 seconds of the clock, Mike, what say you? Endowment. Endowment, you say. Nailed it. Way to go, Mike. Very good, good, Mike. You got a twofer. You're in two out of three. That's pretty good odds, I would say. But uh, thank you very much for for calling in this morning. Yes, sir. Thank you. I like to listen to you all every time I drive in the morning. Praise be to God. We appreciate that. And you know, Mike, uh, did you were these hard? Did you figure out who was the trickiest here? Was it was it Tito? Was it Rudy? Uh, I think it was uh, Tito. Tito, yeah, right? I think so too. I think Tito might be no. the trickiest. I, I'm, I might, I'm going to confirm that. I'm going to start asking everybody, and I'm going to start writing it down and, and docking, the, tallying up the points. But I'm thinking that you're right. I'm Tricky thinking Tito. Tito. Is, that's going to, that's oh, going to be his nickname. Oh, Rudy. Uh, but thank you, Mike, for calling in. I hope you have a blessed day, and I hope you have a blessed rest of your Lent. Thank you, sir. You too. Awesome. We're going to put you on hold and stay on the line so we can get your contact information so we can, if we draw your name on Friday, that we can get your information to send you the prize. But that's going to do it for today. We're going to be back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network for more Catholic Drive Time right here. And if you can join us on in the after show, just hop on one of our social media feeds, whether it's YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, Facebook, Find us on Catholic Drive Time there, and you can join us in the comment section where we interact with you directly. So make sure you hop onto our social media feeds. If not, we'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the GRN. God love you. God bless you. And we'll see you in uh, just a moment on the social media feeds or tomorrow morning. Otherwise, God bless and God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the commemoration of St. Gregory of Narek, Abbot and Doctor of the Church. 
this Mass is offered for the intentions of our online viewers and those listening through Guadalupe Radio. Like the eyes of slaves on the hands of their lords, so our eyes are on the Lord our God till he show us his mercy. Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy. Like the eyes of slaves on the hand of their lords, so our eyes are on the Lord our God till he show us his mercy. Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. Amen. On this Lenten weekday, we remember St. Gregory of Narek. He lived in the 900s and 1000s in Armenia, in what is now eastern Turkey. His father, after his mother died, was a bishop. He was sent for his education to a monastery in Narek, where his great-uncle was part of the monastery. And he remained there as a monk, eventually becoming abbot. He taught theology, and also wrote about theology, as well as lyric poetry, including a work that is considered one of the greatest works of Armenian lit literature. He died in about the year 1010. And it was in the year 2015 that he was declared a doctor of the Universal Church. Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. We were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. You came to call sinners. Christ, have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. Lord God, who graciously imbued blessed Gregory of Narek with heavenly doctrine, grant through his intercession that we may keep that same teaching faithfully and express it in what we do. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. A reading from the book of Leviticus. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the whole assembly of the children of Israel and tell them, Be holy, for I the Lord your God am holy. You shall not steal, you shall not lie or speak falsely to one another. You shall not swear falsely by my name, thus profaning the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not defraud or rob your neighbor. You shall not withhold overnight wages to your day laborer. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall not act dishonestly in rending judgment. Show neither partiality to the weak nor deference to the mighty, but judge your fellow men justly. You shall not, shall not go about spreading slander among your kin, nor shall you stand by idly when your neighbor's life is at stake. I am the Lord. You shall not bear hatred for your brother in your heart, though you may have to reprove him. 
Do not incur sin because of him. Take no revenge and cherish no grudge against your fellow countrymen. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The word of the Lord. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The decree of the Lord is trustworthy, giving wisdom to the simple. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The command of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eye. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are true, all of them just. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. Let the words of my mouth and the thought of my heart find favor before you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Your words, Lord, are spirit spirit and and life. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Behold, now is a very acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, He will sit upon his glorious throne, and all the nations will be assembled before him. He will separate them one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. A stranger, and you welcomed me. Naked, and you clothed me. Ill, and you cared for me. In prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and visit you? And the king will say to them in reply, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of these least brothers of mine, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink a stranger, and you gave me no welcome, naked, and you gave me no clothing, ill and in prison, and you did not care for me. Then they will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or ill or in prison and not minister to your needs? He will answer them, 
Amen, I say to you, what you did not do for one of these least ones, you did not do for me. And these will go off to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. We know that the disciplines of Lent, as we heard from our Lord Jesus on Ash Wednesday, are fasting and almsgiving and prayer. And our readings today lead us to focus upon almsgiving. And we notice, first of all, in the first reading, we know that even before we turn to almsgiving, we first of all need to make sure that we're not harming others, right? We need to stop any sin that harms others. And so it leads us to ask, are we in any way harming them financially? Are we taking something that belongs to someone else? Or perhaps are we an employer and we're failing to pay a just wage? Or an employee and we're not giving proper work for the wage we're being paid? We also need to not be harming others with our words. Make sure we're not lying. But also make sure we're not slandering. Make sure we're not speaking negative things to others about other people. Be those false negative things or true negative things, if it's not necessary for us to say them. For the Lord says, Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's the first step. Make sure we're not harming others. We're not sinning in that way. But then having done that, our Lord Jesus shows us that it's not merely not harming them, but that we need to go further, that we need to respond to their needs. And so it is that we have this famous passage in Matthew chapter 25. You know, he speaks of six actions. And Catholic teachers over the centuries have taken these six actions and added one more to create the list of the corporal works of mercy. Of course, this is not the only kinds, but that these are seven things. To give food to the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, to welcome the stranger, to clothe the naked, to care for the sick, to visit those in prison, and then one more to bury the dead. These are all ways in which we respond to the needs of others, specifically bodily needs, corporal needs. How important that is. But our teachers have also added another list so that we don't forget and think that the only needs that we human beings have are bodily needs. And so we have the parallel list of the spiritual works of mercy, consider considering other needs that people have. So it is that when we look at these seven actions, to instruct the ignorant, to counsel the doubtful, to admonish sinners, to bear wrongs patiently, to forgive offenses willingly, to comfort the afflicted, to pray for the living and the dead. It's important to remember that people have these spiritual needs. So that as we go about our days, it may be that depending upon where you go, in your shopping or in your working or in your traveling, perhaps you won't encounter people who have corporal needs. Perhaps they are all taken care of. But I'm sure you encounter people at every turn who have spiritual needs. People who don't know something important, especially something about God, and you know it and you're able to tell them. People who are unsure of what way to go and you're able to give them good advice, especially good advice about how to draw near to the Lord. People who might be acting in sinful ways, and you may be able in just the right, gentle but effective way to tell them, you know, you don't need to live that way. There's a better way that you can live. 
those you find who are afflicted, discouraged, sorrowful, and you're able to give them comfort and encouragement. And of course, how often do you experience somebody doing something wrong toward you? And you have the chance to bear it patiently and to forgive them. And of course, to pray, to pray for their needs, those who are living and those who are dead. We know that those who are parents do this all the time in their families. If you have children, how often are you finding yourself feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, instructing the ignorant, forgiving offenses? All the time, right? But we have the chance to do this at other times as well. If you've heard of the five love languages, you may know, of course, that one of them is works of service, acts of service. And of course, if we think about how can we, how can we love our Lord Jesus, especially if that's your love language, acts of service, you might think, well, he, he's all-powerful. He doesn't need me to help him in any way. What did we hear in the Gospel reading? Whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. If that's your love language, you have the chance to do acts of service for Jesus himself. You respond to these needs. And how beautiful then, when one day you hear, Inherit the kingdom, prepared for you the foundation of the world, you who are blessed by my Father. Brothers and sisters, let us ask the Lord to listen to our words, receive our desires, and attend to the petitions of his penitent church. For all the Christian people, that during this season of Lent, we may have a greater hunger for every word that comes forth from the mouth of God, let us pray to the Lord. That all nations may live in peace, achieve necessary growth, and experience days of grace and salvation, let us pray to the Lord. That sinners and the indifferent may turn from their ruinous paths and find God during this season of grace, let us pray to the Lord. For ourselves, that the Lord may raise up within us a sincere repentance for our sins. Let us pray to the Lord. Grant to your people, O Lord, a true conversion of heart, so that we may obtain from your bounty what we have humbly asked of you, through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands, that will become for us the bread of life. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. 
Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May this devout oblation be acceptable to you, O Lord, that by your power it may sanctify our manner of life and gain for us your conciliation and pardon. Through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For you have given your children a sacred time for the renewing and purifying of their hearts, that freed from disordered affections, they may so deal with the things of this passing world as to hold rather to the things that eternally endure. And so with all the angels and saints, we praise you as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Tegus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, Qui venit in nomine Domini, Osahana in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take this all of you and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, 
giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life, and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. Let us offer each other a sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, Miserere nobis, Agnus Dei. Quit all this peccata mundi, dona nobis pace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. For those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally in Holy Communion at this time, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, 
I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of the least of my brethren, you did it for me, says the Lord. Come, you blessed of my Father, receive the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for the least of my brethren, you did it for me, says the Lord. Come, you blessed of my Father, receive the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Let us pray. We pray, O Lord, that in receiving your sacrament, we may experience health in mind and body, so that kept safe in both, we may glory in the fullness of heavenly healing. Through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Bow down for the blessing. Enlighten the minds of your people, Lord, we pray, with the light of your glory that they may see what must be done and have the strength to do what is right through Christ our Lord. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Go in peace. Ave Regina Celorum Ave Domina Angelorum The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. 
prayer of deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, Saint Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Father Tom Smithson, pastor of Corpus Christi Parish, and you're listening to AM 1430. KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. 